You are tuned into a Heads and Tails NFL Injury Report, where each week we discuss the latest injuries and sports health buzz surrounding the league in an attempt to make football safer to play at all levels. Dr. Wazim Bush provides expert medical insight, while my buddy Josh Boyd keeps us up to date on all current events and provides play-by-play analysis. And my name is Kevin Som, and I provide the perspective of a former player with a passion for changing a football culture that nearly took my life. If this is your first time to the show, I recommend checking out some of the athlete and expert interviews that we have previously published on this podcast. For detailed show notes and videos from this episode, go to headsandtails.org backslash injury reports. And welcome back to an all-new episode of the Heads and Tails NFL Injury Report. Uh, Sorry for the delay in Week 5's injury report, but today you will be listening to Week 5 and 6 of the 2018 NFL season. We are on our bye last week. Yeah, everyone needs a bye sometimes. I feel refreshed. I don't know about you fellas. Yeah, Waz was stressing out for a while. I could tell these were like wearing on him. So everyone needs a break sometimes. But we're, we're glad to be back. And uh, as always, we'll we'll start off with the week five injuries, going into the week six injuries. Uh, then we'll go on to discuss our boy Vontez back at it again. Uh, we'll go into some questionable calls, the NFL way to play recipients uh, for weeks four and five. We'll go into the Boydcast stats of the week, and uh, I think that's about where we'll finish. Uh, we'll wrap it up. So even though this is a a dual week we might try to we're gonna try to make it as efficient as possible all right so starting up week five injuries we got la rams brandon cooks wide receiver concussion josh you want to play out what, what how this this concussion occurred yeah for sure so he was uh brandon cooks smaller wide receiver um we talked about him a little bit he was he was the one that got hit pretty big in the super bowl when he was on the patriots and now he's on the rams um these, they use these short, quick, fast guys a lot over the middle. So he was running a crossing route, uh, trying to go for a catch. Safety came down and basically straight helmet to helmet. Um, there, it says there was a flag thrown. I, I can't confirm there was a flag thrown, but there was a big delay. His, his arms went stiff, um, and it was a, it was a clear concussion. He didn't play. Um, this past week, week six. And Brandon so. Cooks is the one that got crushed in the Super Bowl yeah, that yeah. everyone remembers Cooks, that hit. Cooks yeah. ended up playing. He did play this week. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, and that, that uh, stiffness that you were talking about, the uh, it was a technical term. The uh, <laughs> the <laughs> Not the kind that you get with a blue pill, right? No, no, no. A little bit different, a little bit different. Um, that's the kind you want, but this is not <laughs> the kind you want. Um, so it's called uh, decerebrate prostrating, and it's typically – Happens when there's some kind of uh, trauma to or traumatic uh, injury to the brain. Um, it's just a involuntary movement. And it's really not a big deal. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, he was faking it. Come on. <laughs> These are the ones that the NFL doesn't like cringes at though, because they're just the yeah. most obvious. I mean, does that guarantee a concussion? You you know, there's no guarantee of a concussion, but that definitely signifies that hey, something traumatic happened to the yeah. brain at that point in time. Um, you know, some people, they can just, they'll lose consciousness automatically. I want to say that that more than likely happened here. Um, and, uh, it, it could have been a brief, uh, loss of conscience, consciousness or, or, or a little extended one. And clearly, um, as soon as that happened, you could see the concern as the medical staff from the opposite team rushed out to, to protect the player. 
even before the the whistles had been called or anything like that. And our boy Chris Nowinski gave their medical staff a shout out for yeah. their their fast actions. Huge yeah. shout outs to the Seahawks uh, yeah. staff. And last last year we were giving them crap about uh, yeah, the Russell Wilson. Probably thing more of a and... Russell Wilson <laughs> thing than yeah than, yeah exactly yeah. 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 But but yeah, these are the. These other ones that the NFL doesn't like this, um, not that they like to see any injuries, but um, they're, they're just so visibly These, uh, these are the types of injuries we don't want to see yeah. in general. Yeah. I mean, these are incredibly concerning. It's amazing that the guy actually was back this week, um, you know, but he's he's got to go through the protocol. And, um, you know, the, We'll discuss that, yeah, in depth yeah. a little later. Well, Kev, I'm, I'm just going to jump ahead of you and jump down because <laughs> I know I'm taking over, but it, there's, it, wow. it's kind of a little bit – it's, okay. it's going to make the order. Wow. The, the one that we have on here for the Saints, Marshawn Lattimore, is the exact same thing. Uh, the only difference was he, he had a concussion in the Monday night game, week five. Um, the only difference in this play was it was his own teammate that hit him, but he, but he had the same reaction, um, and, he, and he left the game. But he was almost wrapping up um, – he was wrapping up to make a tackle and it was like trying to spin the guy and his well, like a linebacker on his team came from inside. Like what was that linebacker like looking at? <laughs> but like you see this all the time because yeah. like what do you always say as a linebacker? Fly to the ball. Fly to the ball. So especially – Well, coach, I flew the ball. <laughs> kind of. But you see it You see it all the time, especially from the linebackers and the defensive linemen who are coming back towards the play from the line of scrimmage. So the play is 10 – five, ten yards past the line of scrimmage. So they're all coming back to the ball. The defenders are coming to the ball, and they're already engaged in a tackle. And just if the if I'm wrapping you up and I move you a little bit, now I'm exposed. And Waz, playing linebacker, is just running to hit. That's right. To hit anything. So, I mean. Mimic my boy. Perfect. There's <sighs> channel my inner perfect. This is this is what I think we've seen. I, I, I feel like I see this more a lot more in college. Just because, like, they want to show so much more, um, so much more to the coaches, you know, how like so much, so much more effort that you see this uh, type of thing more. But we still do see it in the NFL, and I just don't know. I don't know if there's a way to take this out. Like, can you can you make tackling one on one only? I don't know if you well, can do that. No, to me, it's just like playing. It goes back to playing in control. It's on the players. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're, you have to fly around, but yet, like to a degree that yeah. you're still maintaining control of like your movements. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think these guys have been taught for so long not just to fly around, but that fl- just to your extent that just fly around at 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 wit's end and just hit. There's, I did an interview with the former Rutgers guy a while back. He had like three ACL injuries and like he had a rough go at college football. We had a discussion about toughness and how in college, when you first get to college and you're on the team, you're you're constantly having to prove your toughness. And a part of that is just flying around to the ball and doing whatever you can. But like to to what degree like you're hurting yourself you're hurting the players and then you would think like once you get to the NFL you've kind of earned that toughness label like you don't make it to the NFL if you're not tough so like why do you have to you know do these extra little absolutely but then again is there internal competition right there was ransom gate Back, oh, yeah, back in a while, yeah. a while back, right? Uh, with with the Saints, the Saints and stuff Bounty like that. Gate, yeah, Bounty Gate, yeah, Bounty Gate, yeah, and um, Ransom Gate. Uh, you know, holding kids just, is just, just stealing them, stealing them, and taking out the But um, you know, uh, it, that I think there's this internal toughness amongst teammates, right? 
that that you have to perpetuate within the league. And some of these guys think that they need to play with reckless abandon. Otherwise, they're going to lose their job to somebody that's a little bit tougher right. or showing more, quote-unquote, heart yep. uh, trying to make the play. All so. right. So we got another uh, L.A. Rams concussion that week with a wide receiver. That's Cooper Cup. Yeah. Uh, no video on this one. Uh, but he also went, went to play, and we'll talk about his injury when we get to the week six injuries. Is it a uh, coincidence that both of them passed the concussion protocol? I don't know. Let's see mm. what kind of standards they got over there in Los Shady. Angeles. Uh, but next injury up is Washington Redskins, Adrian Peterson, running back with a dislocated shoulder. This one's all you, Kev, because this is, this is toughness. Like, this is – Yeah, so he – I don't think we have a video of yeah, – No, I think there is a video. video. There is a video of yeah. the, the hit itself. Nothing, like, too wild. Um, no. So yeah. he basically fell on an outstretched arm. Uh, he got tackled, fell on his outstretched arm, and theoretically what happened was that uh, the trauma and the weight from the other person as he fell on that arm kind of just popped that shoulder out of its socket. And when he gets up, you kind of see him kind of like angling and trying to, to do something with the shoulder, and that's him trying to basically pop this thing down. He even pulls it down a little bit too. And that's in the hopes of kind of unhinging it and letting it pop back into the socket. So, you know, anytime you get a complete dislocation, there's a, a little bit of a suction cup that holds the, the ball on the, on the golf tee. Um, in this case, the, the humeral head on the um, uh, um, glenoid. Um, I always feel like there's a suction cup on my golf tee because <laughs> I can't hit it more than like 20 yards when I hit the driver, but... <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Just figured I'd add that in. Yeah. <laughs> so anytime you get a complete dislocation, you can picture that that uh, the ball just kind of just violently grazing off the, the tee and grazing over that suction cup, thereby, thereby tearing the labrum. Um, and labral tears uh, are often associated with these types of injuries. Um Usually they slap on uh, one of those harnesses that you see that kind of goes around the arm and up on the shoulder, and that's designed to kind of limit motion so that the that the uh, shoulder um, doesn't pop out of place anymore. Um, and typically players will play through this, you know. Uh, and in the end, high-level athletes will normally get uh, uh, shoulder surgery, um, which I anticipate that. Uh, uh, Adrian Peterson is probably going to do after the season, but I think he should be able to play through it. Um, a lot of times they ha they wear those like wraps around their arm that like attach to their shoulder pads yeah. that kind of like keep it in place. That I, that's I, the same wrap that I was talking about yeah. with the harness. Yep. Um, the only things that that really kind of um, uh, you really have to to worry about him in in schemes is him uh, pass blocking because somebody's going to come up. They're gonna. He's gonna try to jam them at the point of 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 contact, right? And that's just gonna jam that shoulder, that ball right back into the socket and cause a little bit more pain. So um, the impact is gonna be right. a, a lot for him. And speaking of pain, there's a lot of quotes surrounding this particular injury coming into Week Six, and uh, Peterson himself said that. It was, it's going to be painful. I just need to fight through it. Every time I got hit, I could feel it. Um, and then he said, 
Peterson going into week six again. Peterson uh, felt it all week. He said that the challenge was to prevent blood from building up in the shoulder and making it stiff. The goal was to keep the shoulder moving, which meant that he couldn't do much sleeping. I was up at three and five every night, Peterson said, adding that the rehab efforts included a very low-tech device of Peterson's wife uh, <laughs> digging her digging her. I think there's a typo in this. Her knuckles. Her knuckles um, and her elbows into his shoulder. You know, I, I think this speaks to a bigger point within the NFL, and I think you guys have touched on it in prior episodes and stuff like that, and that's that whole pain issue, right? Um, clearly, you can see this guy going through so much lack of sleep, pain all the time, and wanting to continue to play, right? And oftentimes, it's if I don't play, I'm going to lose my position. Right. And so it becomes and speaks to a, a bigger, bigger issue within the sport. Um, but again, goes back to your toughness point, too. And I think some of it is like and Agent Peterson specifically just throughout his whole career. I mean, he's just one of those uber competitive, like one of the most competitive guys in, in, in the league. And not only to mention like he was um, he's still usable and he's still a pretty good running back. But at he's one point he was he, he was he was the best. Um but like his mindset is he's playing no matter what. And like a lot of these quotes um, came from uh, one of the NBC guys and who like during the halftime of the Sunday night game, again, the Patriots and the Chiefs, this was like one of their big segments, basically glorifying everything he had to go through to play this week. And he had like 17 carries for 90 yards and they won. Um, they say dealt with pain on every play of week six. Yeah. So it's it. But it wasn't. It was very glorified, so it's still a toughness. Is like this is still a very much being portrayed in the media as a good toughness. Look how look right. at this guy. And the problem, it becomes a problem when you start to change how you play because you're dealing with that pain and you're trying to work around that pain. Because that's exactly what I did when I hurt my head because I had a separated shoulder. Stopped hitting with that shoulder. Started hitting with the other one. Hurt that one, and then I had nothing else to hit with but my head. Uh, <laughs> sounds pretty bam, dumb. Bam, but bam. <laughs> Yeah, me Kevin, me play football. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, uh, moving on. <laughs> yeah, the media has a lot to do with this yeah. whole toughness thing, too. You know, when they, if they said, well, he should have taken a break this week, not played on it, you know. Yeah. It's I don't just, know if we'll ever see that day. Yeah, but I don't no. think so either. Okay, we talked about Marshawn Lattimore's concussion uh, since Josh skipped me. I didn't skip you. No, you, you really skip you. Okay. <laughs> Next injury is Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Corey Grant running back uh, with a foot. Liz Frank injury. I think we talked about this once, one other time on the podcast. No, no, we didn't. Just kidding. Yeah, so this one is, uh, it, I'm going to take a little bit of time to explain this one. This one is a, a big injury that we hear, and it's, it's kind of like a dreaded injury too. So in general, your foot is made up of three parts, the forefoot, the midfoot, and the hind foot, right? Um, and the Liz Frank uh, joint is a complex of like bones and ligaments that connect the midfoot and the forefoot together. In the midfoot in itself, um, it's the middle of the foot where there's a cluster of like small bones that come together and make the arch of the top of the foot. And those bones are held together by like a, a couple of uh, ligaments and such. And that midfoot is very critical in um, stabilizing the arch and in walking. Right. So basically during walking, the midfoot will transfer the force that you generate from your calves into the front of the foot. And so um, 
there are no bones holding the two um, big bones of the foot, um, uh, of the front, the first and second toes or the first and second metatarsals together. And so it's prone to any type of like twisting uh, falls. Um, if you have a twisting fall, you can uh, shift or break the this area. Um, and because of that, um, because of that arch and its um, importance and stability, you can actually uh, collapse the arch if it's not sur surgically repaired, and you can have uh, a lot of early onset arthritis in the foot. So it, it's a it's a really important um, uh, injury, and is typically fixed but with uh, surgery. And this is different from Greg Olson's injury. Yes. So Greg Olson's injury. So this uh, Greg Olson's injury is the on the very outside of the foot. It's um, with the fifth metatarsal in itself. It's it's a so the metatarsal falls into the four foot um, uh, scheme of things, and it's a break in just uh, a portion of that bone in the forefoot on the outside, the fifth metatarsal. Gotcha. All right. Cool. So now we'll move on to the week six injuries, starting with Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen with a arm injury. I'm not sure if we know the severity of that injury yet, um, but there's a video online. Josh, you want to take us through it? Yeah, it looked like he just kind of got a helmet to the inside, outside of the elbow. Um, uh, he was just going to pa pass, and um guy came in from the side and – Delivered a little bit of hit on him, but his elbow caught most of the brunt of it. Um, they said after the game he's going to be reevaluated week to week. They said he's not playing this week. That came out today. So he's going to at least miss miss one week. Um, I think, Waz, you said you had a little bit more information on what exactly in the elbow they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're speculating. So just by video, it, it kind of looked like more of a contusion than anything else. I mean, it looked like yeah. he kind of just got hit with the helmet and – you know, it was just going to be bruised and, you know, he was going to miss the rest of that game and maybe play it uh, uh, day by day until the next week. By day by day. Day by day. Um, and then he, uh, instead, it actually looks like he may have injured what's called his ulnar collateral ligament of the elbow, which is the ligament that's typically heard of in um, baseball pitchers who hurt their elbows and then require Tommy John surgery. Um and the mechanism is that basically they get hit and they suffer a valgus strain. And we talked about valgus mechanisms prior when we talked about ACLs, ACLs right? So I'm thinking of like the Carson Wentz uh, ACL injury or mechanism of injury. Yeah. How he was like in the air and kind of just got like sandwiched in two different directions and Absolutely. tore the ACL that way. That's kind of when I look at the Josh Allen video, yeah. it looks similar in the elbow. Right. And so actually, we have um, a video of the training staff uh testing the elbow on the sideline and they give him this valgus uh mechanism to stress the ucl and it just crumples him in in on the actual uh, uh video so it does lead us to believe that he did in fact injure that ucl and mri is going to kind of show us what what's going on there UCLs are still important for, for quarterbacks, obviously, for throwing motions and, and such, and really for deep balls as well. Not um, if you're Josh Boyd. Not if you're Josh Boyd. Josh Boyd I couldn't throw deep. is a specimen. I could throw a tight spiral still. <laughs> well, Josh had some experience with this too, right, in baseball? <laughs> yes, yeah, so, I mean, it's obviously at a much different level, but I tore my UCL 
uh, about probably the end of August, uh, my senior year in high school, pitching, throwing, playing baseball. Yeah. Um, and I just did rehab for a month, six weeks or so. Um, would have needed to get Tommy John surgery to replace it if I wanted to keep pitching. Um, however, it is, I opted to not get surgery. Filthy splitter. Stop pitching, just play outfield. But anyway, so but I remember that whole fall um, going to Steeler games, just hanging out. Like I was throw able bombs in the parking I, lot. I, w- I was able to throw a football <laughs> without any uh, pain or anything, which was funny. I could throw a dodgeball in in school too. No, no, no pain. But if I tried to get on a mound. Um, and you were an AP dodgeball, weren't you? Oh, I was in. If you can dodge, I a played wrench, dodgeball three times a day. You can dodge a ball. Senior, senior in high school. AP dodgeball. Yeah. The old dodgeball, dodgeball, dodgeball lunch morning. <laughs> you know, I think it's it's um, it's the mechanism by which you're 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 throwing, obviously, um, when you compare it to, from baseball to football, and um, it's that torque that you're you're not necessarily getting uh, repeatedly over in in football. It's a different different uh um uh pass yeah from from what they described it's just like when you're pitching and especially when you're throwing a base when you're throwing off a mound you're completely stretching it out at the end Um, whereas when you're throwing a football there's no you never completely extend your arm Mm -hmm. so there's no there's really and that's why you really don't see that many arm you see some shoulders sometimes in in football but you really never see any elbow injuries in football besides getting hit on it right but you don't see quarterbacks just wearing out their elbow just from overuse because there's just really there's really just not that much strain on your elbow right but you did mention that by throwing with that torn ucl you kind of altered your throwing motion and ended up tearing your labrum down the road maybe possibly. yeah possibly yeah I'm just you know just to think something to think about but next injury uh, oakland raiders wide receiver amari cooper with a concussion so this was also not flagged, which was uh, kind of a big thing on on Twitter. But he would just ran like a little five yard crossing route over the middle. The linebacker or the safety was basically not moving. He was sitting in the middle of the field. Um, so if Kevin's running at me, I you're running across like parallel with the yard marker um, with the with the yard line on on the field. And I'm standing here watching you coming, and I kind of just drop my shoulder and just deliver a blow while standing. Don't launch or anything, but it ended up being head-to-head, and and Cooper went right down. Um, probably should have been a penalty, but again, they just they haven't been calling it. So they definitely just, defenseless. They just stopped. Yeah. They they they. Nah, I don't even want to say they stopped calling it because they haven't. They never really. They never started. Yeah, they yeah. never <laughs> did start calling. At it, the but. angle at which he was trying to even catch the ball. You know, he was completely defenseless. Yeah. He know? was like, yeah, it was, it was the ball was like blindsided. at his toes. Yeah. Yeah. Tough hit. Tough hit. Freaking pull it together, Josh. Is your first rodeo over here? <laughs> Seriously. Okay. No sniffles, no sneezes, though, so. <laughs> Yet. Uh, it's flu season. Hope you got your flu shot. I'll be giving them out in the parking lot. <laughs> Well, we're we're gonna have a live show in November where we give out flu shots, <laughs> studio <laughs> audience, injury prevention and uh, illness prevention. Okay, next injury up is a guy we already talked about, um, L.A. Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup with a knee injury. Yeah, so this was on a illegal horse collar tackle. Um, this is kind of why they tried to take this play out of the game. Um, 
crossing around again, caught it, was going towards the sideline, guy chasing him from behind, dove at him, got the back of his jersey, shoulder pads, ripped him down, his leg got caught, more so his foot kind of got caught underneath him. Um, so the funny, eh, not the funny, eh, that's a bad verse, but the interesting thing about this is he came back in the game from this. It looked really nasty. Yeah. He came back in the game and played, um, and then after the game, they like yesterday or today, they ruled him out for this week's game. So right. even though he came back in the game, they've already ruled him out for uh, at least a week, which is which, which is kind of interesting. And, um, when you, when you look at it too, it's just like it, it looked really nasty. Yeah. It, aside from the knee, you wondered about the ankle if he fractured or but, yeah. it, you were just like, what what is happening? And then obviously getting carted off. You, I thought the worst. Yeah. And then he comes running yeah. back yeah. out. He was just a baller for the rest of the game. I think he scored. Yeah, it kind of made me think of a interview that I recently posted uh, just in regards to having the concussion the week before, now a lower extremity injury. And the guy that I just interviewed, um, Dr. David Bell from the University of Wisconsin, he did a study or he published a study about how athletes are at uh, two and a half times greater risk of suffering a lower extremity injury after concussion. Um, so I just thought it was kind of an interesting point that he kind of proved that fact whether it's related or not I don't really know yeah um but you know I, it it also depends on what part of the brain was impacted right so if you got part of the brain that was impacted by um just uh um your balance and, and uh sense of proprioception which is just feeling that you're on the ground um yeah you're you're definitely a, a bit more prone to to injure yourself and uh, lower extremity wise. Yep. All right, and it looks like we have a, a caller. Uh, we've got uh, Johnny Biceline from uh, Westchester, PA, on the line. Uh, so, Johnny, what do you got for us? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. So, um, I'm an athletic trainer at a private high school in Bryn Mawr, PA. Um, I did my undergrad at Westchester University, and then um, I got my master's at Temple, where I did my own concussion study, and we also analyzed a lot of concussion literature. So these last couple of weeks, it's really got me been uh, really got me thinking about um, concussions in the NFL as a whole. Um, so last week, I actually I reached out to Kevin about uh, the concussion return to play in the NFL. <clears throat> Excuse me. As we know, uh, activities are gradually increased over five days before an athlete is clear for full participation. But in the NFL, we frequently see players leave the game with a concussion only to return to play in the game the following week. A perfect example of this is Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup, uh, both on the Rams. They left the Week 5 game early and somehow progressed through uh, the concussion return to play protocol um, to play in Week 6. So my question is, what's going on that this is possible? Is the sports medicine staff starting the return to play before the athletes are totally symptom-free? Um, are they really, you know, could they b truly be symptom-free after less than 48 hours? I know it doesn't always happen that they come back the following week, but I just have a hard time believing that they get pulled from a game um, and are completely symptom-free after 48 hours and return to play. Well, Johnny, yeah, thanks for your question. And I, I know you had mentioned that in your experience as an athletic trainer, that's not typically the case. Like symptoms don't resolve by the time of the, the next game the following week. Um, just looking at the – NFL's return to play protocol, it seems like it's a pretty standard return to play protocol for a concussion with, I think there's five steps in there in, in the, the gradual increase uh, 
before they get back. Uh, so it is kind of questionable. Like, can you really get all that stuff cleared out before the next game? And it's a question that I don't know if we like necessarily yeah. have the answer to, but Waz, from a, a medical perspective, uh, what's your opinion? You know, it's a great question, Johnny. Um, and, you know, I think it, it comes down to um, just even to start the protocol, right? Uh, these guys have to say, hey, I have no symptoms, right? Are we going to get a lot of those questionable um, uh people saying that, you know, like they're trying to fake some of these symptoms. That's a, that's a big possibility in this too. However, you know, with, with these concussion and return to play protocols, remember there's an independent neurological consultant that has no um, bias towards any team. You know, they have to go through all of these protocols and the athlete themselves has to report that there is no um, no symptoms before starting the protocol. If there's maybe minimal symptoms, they may even start to do that as well. So it's not necessarily fully asymptomatic. It may be, hey, I've just got a, a very minor, very minor headache or, or something of that nature. Having been privy to some of these exams and so on, um, when I did cover um, uh, some of of uh, some other uh, games and so on. Um, they do go through their protocols just as we do on the outside. Um, they make sure that the athlete is at the center of it all. The interest is to keep the athlete safe and not to get this guy back in where he can hurt himself, right? There's going to be a lot of pressures that come from every part of the, the, the football operation side of it, right? However, sometimes the, the worst part of it is from the player himself who's trying to get back into the game. And sometimes it's more about protecting the athlete from, um, from themselves. However, like we said, the athlete has to clear everything, has to show us he can do everything before he gets back into this uh, or gets through the protocol. And then at the very end, all of this needs to be confirmed again by an independent neurological consultant. So. Yeah, it does seem a little bit strange, and and I think we were we were talking about it earlier when both Cooper Cup and uh, and Brandon Cooks came back from some nasty looking concussions. Um, but you know they do have their protocols that they have to to get through. Can you go through more than one step of the protocol in one day, or does it have to no. be like twenty four hours in between? I think it's. I think it says it in the. It's. It, you're not supposed to. No. Um. I don't think. From I remember when we went over and we talked about it when when this first came out last year when it was it was it was a bigger deal. Um. But I I don't I don't think you can. It's, but 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 it's so, a five day yeah. protocol. It's a five the five steps is five, five days. days. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, that and that basically clears you by. Yeah, I mean, you get it on Sunday. Sunday you're Sunday. done by yeah, you're done it, by Saturday. Yeah, it clears you for Saturday. I would say from from just amateurly tracking than doing the podcast for the last year and a half. Call um, yourself an amateur, dude, not me. <laughs> for injury, not an amateur podcast or an amateur injury tracker. I was busting your Jeez, tracks. Louise, you're all over me this year. <laughs> um, but fun. The, I've noticed the NFL has done or the the teams have done a better job of guys who have gotten multiple concussions and, 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 and concussions quickly um, that they've basically taken them 
put them on the IR, um, things that we haven't seen in, in the in the past where the return to play guidelines kind of don't even come into play, which this guy's got his second concussion in a month. He's We're putting him on IR. He's going to be out six to eight weeks. Right. Um, but you still see, like Johnny said, you still see maybe guys who don't have any concussion history get a concussion and they're right back in at the next game. It's just it, it's almost impossible to really know where – Yes, the NFL has a, a uniform policy that's universal. Every team has to follow, um, but every team's doctors are different, um, and we'll never know exactly what's going on in those rooms because they ha- the, the teams themselves don't say, oh, player X has passed step one of the concussion protocol, uh, he, and he's moved on to step two. Sure, um, but- it's, it's, it's really just, oh, uh, that guy's in the protocol. When he's out, we'll let you know. Well, that's the point of the independent neurological consultant, right? Because these these guys are only a handful of guys that serve as the experts for all these teams. So once, no matter what your training staff has gone through or your medical staff has said, hey, this guy does it, if, if the independent neurological consultant doesn't agree with it, it's off. They have to confirm and they have yeah. final say. Well, Johnny, I have a question for you. So basically with, with this policy and with the NFL specifically, um, for these guys to pass one step a day and be able to play the next week, how rare is it for um, your athletes that you see that have concussions um, that would be able to pass uh, a, a hypothetical five-step program um, to return to play one step a day? I'll put it this way. I've had more athletes that have taken more than a month to recover than from a concussion than I've had athletes in less than forget two days. I mean, less than three or four days where they're totally asymptomatic. Um, I mean, I work at a small high school where sports aren't the priority. And even so I've had in the last year, I've had at least four or five athletes where they've been out for a month and a half plus. Um, so at least in my experience, um, in the high school setting, I haven't seen too many, but, you know, going really quickly, going back to combining steps, it also makes me wonder, you know, could they, because technically in, um, the, the standard return of play, you can't combine steps, but I know athletic trainers sometimes, or other sports medicine, uh, staff members will use the game day warm up as um the final non-contact practice before clearance do you think that happens or um in the nfl or do you think that could be the the independent neurologist has to clear them x amount of time before their participation in the game no i i I think that they use every um every kind of loophole like that that they can um in order to get it cleared through protocol so they'll be able to play i mean your typical sunday to sunday schedule is um monday is uh come through in like a film day and a stretch but if they come in and stretch that can be day one they're doing a physical activity um and then you usually have a walkthrough on you have an off day tuesday a walkthrough practice wednesday thursday friday and then your saturday walkthrough at the team hotel that i mean and that can be used so you have um you pretty much have those six days that you can kind of maneuver, I feel like, um, to kind of fit the protocol and have the guys do what they need to do uh, in order to pass if the, yeah, you if, know, the, if, the if the doctors feel that it's yeah, acceptable. The, the last stage of it requires you to be in full contact. Um, the athlete has to demonstrate that they're able to uh, make it through a full contact practice. I've been privy to 
a couple of these exams from the professional level and you know from from my experience with them and and it's only very brief from my experience i mean the doctors put them through the exact same protocol as outlined here whether or not that happens uniformly that's that, that's different you know and it it's also a judgment call as to whom they feel is more symptomatic or has this symptom versus that symptom in addition to this it also matters with an athlete's intelligence because they can a more a more intelligent athlete can actually come um or fake answers and get past certain aspects of the tests um and, and get themselves back um faster and johnny the other thing that i'll that i will say about uh the nfl and specifically about concussions is in following this in the past year and a half um there does seem to be a gray area of actual diagnosis of a concussion that puts you into the protocol um i feel like we've seen some instances of guys who have gotten hit and have left games but have never technically been diagnosed with a concussion so they never technically have to enter the protocol so they come back and play the next week um because they were never in the protocol to begin with um and i think we see a lot of that and it's we're also not privy to um a definite diagnosis of a concussion or even a non-diagnosis of a concussion. And that's kind of, um, that's the hardest part being an armchair, an armchair quarterback, so to, so to speak, watching the NFL that we're really, we're, we're not privy to all the information. We can just say, Oh, that guy looks like he got a concussion and he could have left the game, but then they could have gone back in the locker room and maybe they didn't even diagnose him with a concussion at all. So now he doesn't even enter the return to play system and he's back full, full, full go practicing on, on, uh, on Monday. And, and that's, then that's kind of the difficult, the biggest difficult thing as a fan. And the NFL doesn't like, they don't need to, they're not required to tell us any of this stuff. Unfortunately, maybe yeah. one day it will be a lot more transparent. Well, I mean, in the world of like HIPAA violations and patient privacy and stuff, it's like, it's almost like, well, why should we have the right to know their medical, you know, status, right. you know, as a fan, you right. know? Um, I think we made some good points too that we don't know if it's all uniform. We have some teams put guys on IR because of concussions and obviously are on the side of safety. Sure. Um, then we have guys like Cooper Cup, um, you know, coming back the next week. So you almost have to like trust the judgment of the professionals at hand. And if they're doing their job the way that they were, you know, taught and certified to do, then hopefully that's, you know, and even if they're independent, they're, they're still going to have different opinions. Sure. And the other thing too, though, is that they do have to demonstrate neurocognitively that the athlete is back to their baseline, which they take these neurocognitive, neurocognitive tests before the season and so on. So that they have an ample baseline. But it goes back to the intelligence factor, too. Certain athletes know how to scam the system a little bit, too, right? And they can, they can get around some of these, these testings. Um, but all they have to do is show that, hey, the athlete is back to his quote-unquote baseline, and then you can kind of send them back uh, out there. So. so, Johnny, I got one more question for you before we move on to another topic. Um, do any of your athletes like reference instances like Cooper Cup and him coming back the following week when they get concussions, when they want to come back before maybe they're ready? Yeah, all the time. Um, I actually had, um, during one of our soccer games today, a boys varsity player got hit in the head. Um, and we were talking about return to play and I told him that, you know, 
standard recovery is between 10 to 14 days um, after symptom resolution and then a five-day return to play. So we could be looking at anywhere from a week to two weeks until you're back. He's He was back playing fully. I mean, he said, well, I just watched the game and, you know, Cooper Cup got hit and he came back to play the next week. Why, why can't... Um, why can't that be me? And I said, well, I'm not saying that it can't be you, but the problem with concussions is no two concussions are exactly the same. Um, we can't count on your symptom recovery or resolution and how you're going to progress. So it can be a challenging conversation at times, but um, you know, it, it's one that after they go through a couple days of symptoms, they kind of realize the severity and the gravity of the situation. Um, and they say, okay, I'm going to give my brain the time that it needs to rest. Johnny, keep doing the things that you're doing, man. Always under promise and over deliver, right? That that's Always. the whole that's the whole thing. You guys are doing a great job out there. You know, um, I, I think our athletic trainers are are a population that that just doesn't get enough appreciation and respect and recognition. And uh, you know, I, I salute you, man. Keep doing it. Yeah, obviously, an athletic trainer saved my life, so I think very highly of you guys. So, uh, Johnny, thanks a lot for coming on and sharing your knowledge and asking the questions, and it was a good conversation. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. See you, dude. See you, dude. Um, so, yeah, that was good. good discussion. Uh, but as we move on, we'll move on to another injury. We got a Jacksonville Jaguars uh, tight end, Niles Paul, with a knee injury. Yeah, he's he's likely a another MCL. Um, likely, uh, the way it happened um, and the way it looked like um, looks like it's probably going to be somewhere keeping him out a couple of weeks. Um, but definitely looks MCL, and he should come back in a, about two to two to three weeks or so. MCL seems to, to be like the least se- severe of all the knee injuries. Yeah, you can you can play through it, you know. Um, that's it's not that it's not severe. It's it's pretty painful injury, but a lot of guys with the bracing and so on can really tough it out and play play through it. Are you reinforcing a bad habit, dude? Possibly. <laughs> all right, just saying. Uh, all right, next injury up. Thanks for calling me out. <laughs> well, we know people are gonna do it. You know, it, it it always comes to a point of like, yeah. Number one, are you changing how you play because of your injury, and is it your head? If you can answer both of those questions, I guess no, then it might be worth trying. Uh, next injury up is Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield with an ankle. Big Baker ended up playing the full game, but this is kind of an interesting – we have all the technology in the world, not just the NFL, and the NFL still insists on using chains, uh, an actual chain connected two sticks to measure a first down. Yes. So Baker was actually scrambling, running out of bounds, kind of slipped on the actual first down marker, the yellow, like, uh, or the orange strip. Yeah. Yeah. Strip that signifies 10 yards and then got caught up in the actual chain and tripped over it and kind of like twisted his ankle. Moving the chains. So, uh, well, (laughs) yeah. What would you it's, say if it wasn't a chain? It's no, that is he. he yeah, so it's just uh, eventually they need to do something else, right? I mean, I, I know agree. on TV they have it all like lined out and colored in now, and yeah. why can't they just? I don't know. You know how something. we have, um, you know, when we do the measure and we try to make a straight line on the wall. Yeah, and you've got the laser. Laser, yep. Why, why can't we just do that? Yeah, lasers. You would think on freaking laser beams. Sharks with laser beams attached to their heads. <laughs> you would, you would do think, that, but they'd but... have to be in water. <laughs> so that was feel bad for Baker, but 
Yeah, was, it just looks like he he rolled his ankle. I mean, I think he'll be fine. I don't I don't see a reason why he won't be in the game next next week. It looks like a standard. Yeah, we wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, last injury uh, before we move on to some other more interesting topics is uh, Minnesota Vikings cornerback Mike Hughes with a knee injury. This good. A there's huge, a video one on this one. Doesn't this is, look good. No, this is a Hughes injury. No. Hughes. Hughes. Huge. No, see huge. what I did there? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I see that. Yeah. Um, basically, he tore his ACL. Um, poor guy. I mean, it almost looks like he got shot, you know, immediately as he was going across the field. He just collapsed. He crumpled and, um, and went down. Tore his ACL. It was, con- it was confirmed. He's out for the season, unfortunately. Knee just buckled straight on him. Yep. Always sad to see that, but yeah. people bounce back from ACL, so. Yeah, he should be all right. All right. Now we're up to Vontez. He's back at it again. Second game of, the, of his season. Uh, but Josh, do you want to take us through it as the Steelers fan? Yeah. So again, no, somehow no penalty on this, but, uh, Tony Brown crossing route, uh, caught it probably 15, 20 yards down the field, uh, was crossing the field and was being tackled. Like not, he was being tackled by two guys. There was two guys wrapped around him and Vontaze came from the side and just gave him like a people's elbow to the head, uh, like, like a drive by clearly, clearly targeted him. Because um, he was held up, yeah. That, that, that they held added up, that to the defenseless yeah. receiver definition this year. Yeah. So uh, uh, not only did Antonio Brown leave, leave the game for a couple of plays, he actually also got his own safety in the head, also, um, and he left the game for the rest of the drive, also. And they were like working on his neck because he, he. So it was a guy who plays out of control. Yeah. Well, when you're out of control. You hurt your own people too. Well, I don't even know that it's out of control no. because it's. I don't think it is out of control. It is. It's. Just, I think it's Vontez. It's. It's on. Like he's, he's doing what he wants to do. He's it's a self fulfilling yeah, prophecy. He's targeting. I mean, this might. This is the one guy that is playing in control. Yeah. Is aware of what he's doing and is doing it anyway. And that's kind of. And that's the problem. And and I know you can't punish intent because you can't prove it. Yeah. But that's 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 the biggest issue. And 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 I was listening to. Uh, one radio show today um, who was kind of talking about this because Ben Roethlisberger came out on his radio show and said that um, the play after Antonio Antonio Brown got hit in the head and left the field, um, Vontez was on the field screaming at Juju, like, you're next. I'm getting you next. Like, it's clearly an intent to – Well, last year Juju was one who freaking lit him up. Exactly. So it's an intent – it's an intent to injure, but I was listening to the Rich Eisen show, and Rich Eisen was basically like, for whatever suspension, fine. Like, this ultimately comes down. The Players Association is the people who need – or the guys who need to step in and be like, this This guy is not good for the game. It's He's doing everything that against what the NFL is preaching and what, what, what we're trying to do. Um, and it's just a matter of time until he seriously, seriously injures somebody. He the just, NFLPA's slogan used to be, one team, one community. And I think when you have a guy who's an outlier like that, who does seem to intentionally try to hurt people, it kind of goes away from or it gets away from that whole yeah. concept there. He he kind of reminds me of the guy that comes around when you're in a fight and you're being held 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 up by the other guys, and he just sucker punches you. You know that from experience. I might be that guy. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> or you got the guy getting. Punched. What are you trying to say, Kevin? <laughs> I'm a very intimidating man. Very large and intimidating. Okay. Uh, (laughs) 
So we're moving on to some questionable calls. And is this one from week five or six? This Josh? is week five. This was against the Falcons. So were there any like quarterback rule issues this week in so week six? There were, so week five, there was 10 roughing the passer calls, um, which is about standard. Uh, this past week, there were three, which is the least amount of any week. Granted, we've started with buys, so uh, we had a couple less, to choose couple less games, so 14 games instead of 16, but uh, this was by far the fewest, so um, maybe it's starting to have an impact. Um, Either but, they're changing how they play or... Yeah. Well, I think it had a... I think the, the game that really um, exemplified it was the Kansas City-New uh, England game. When Brady went in for the rushing touchdown, I forget who it was on on the Chiefs. Speaks. Speaks. He had him, and he let him go. Yeah. And he said the reason he let him go was because he was afraid to get a flag. Yeah. Well, Brady Brady pump faked, so it speaks. His head was down and kind of turning around and had him wrapped up, and Brady pump faked um, and speaks saw his arm go and thought he threw the ball and let go, and Brady ended up running for a touchdown. Um, I mean, granted, there was a flag on the Chiefs on the play. Or something different, yeah. so it would have been a first down at the one, so they probably would have scored anyway. But um, yeah, he did. I mean, so that's uh, unfortunately with today's NFL, it sucks for that guy, and yeah. it sucks for the Chiefs, and it sucks Tom's for defensive guys. But like that's what suck fast, dude. That's that's that's, that's, that's what that's what you're gonna get because these guys don't want. Those they don't they don't want to get a 15 yard and a first down penalty, so I mean, they're gonna err on the side of. Let's definitely not rough Tom Brady. I mean, he could have reacted and tripped Brady. He's not like the swiftest of guy. We did see his 40 time, right? It's like eight s- minutes, yeah. right? <laughs> eight minutes. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're going to see guys like pimping it with like the like the, the fake passes, the pump fakes, just so they can. I don't think at the moment you can really. Just plant. wait. Yeah. I bet you Cam yeah. could do it in yeah. a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, but Cam doesn't get any rough in the passer calls because he's Cam. So. Yeah. <laughs> If Belichick can find a way, he's going to abuse this. Yeah. Okay, now – oh, we didn't talk about the actual Oh, hit. so, so TJ <laughs> Watt against the Falcons last week, he got he did get a roughing the passer penalty against Matt Ryan where he was – He breathed on the uh, he leg was, of he, – <laughs> he, he was coming around the corner, got blocked, and got pushed down into, into Matt Ryan's legs and, like, was almost trying to avoid hitting him at all and kind of, like, brushed up against his knee. And he get fined? $20,000. He got yeah. pushed into that. Yeah. So he got fined $20,000 for that. The guy on the Falcons who got ejected for the hit on Cam Newton earlier in the year mm-hmm. got fined $10,000. See, this is what we talked about last year of like the the, f- the fines are set up like by penalty and by all this stuff, so and like by uh consecutive at, like the number of penalties you've gotten, so there's like a scale for it. It's like but it is a it's a very silly process. It's a it's a pretty funny video if you want to go look at it. And then you got Vontez just freaking taking people out, and he doesn't right. get fined at all. Nothing, yeah. Ridiculous. It's almost like he's he's getting uh, positive reinforcement for doing this. Well, that's the that's the one thing. If there's if there's no reinforcement, it's kid continue on what you're doing. So goes back to that kind of self policing idea Correct. of like you need other guys to get on him yeah. on his team probably and be like, dude, like. Yeah. We don't want to get hit like that, so why are you doing it? Yeah, but that's, yeah. We don't know what the locker room's like in Cincy. True. All right. Now we got an NFL way to play recipients. Uh, week four recipient is uh, Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald um, for his technique on his wrap-up sack. And 
we actually talked about this hit in the week four um, injury report, noting how that's you can you can tackle the quarterback safely, legally, and still get the job done. Um, then in week five, um, we got Arizona Cardinals safety uh, Antoine Bethea. Did I say that right? Yeah. Dude. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, and he had a, a textbook takedown as well on a quarterback. So two weeks in a row, they gave the award out to hits on a quarterback. Yeah, so I think we've talked about it a little bit all year. This is a great thing the NFL is doing, um, but they're very much pushing uh, the agenda of whatever uh, is the biggest gripe against the league at the current time from a defensive standpoint. I also so. love how there's like a whole segment of like this TV show that they just to it? yeah like a five minute segment each well, week about it's it. It's yeah. the NFL Network, so it's that's when they announce the yeah. award. But yeah, it's it's. I, I will say with the Antoine Bethea hit that it was good proof of like the strike zone. Of yes. like when a guy is defenseless, you and you're running full speed. Don't tell me you're out of control yeah. and you can't. You don't know where you're hitting. Yeah. Like you can hit them yeah. in within the strike zone. I agree. Um. By the way, that Aaron Donald tackle is just brutal. Just whips him around and just throws him into the ground that way too. Good jeez. I don't yeah. think you can get tackled by Aaron Donald anyway softly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, boycast stats. This oh has become boy. a thing. You're going, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. yeah. Damn it. We, we need, need like something. Music, we need yeah. something for that. Yeah. So, okay. In the NFL, lower limb traumas, legs, count for 60% of the injuries but get less attention than concussion. So, it's just – but, I mean, no one really cares when you tear your ACL. You get surgery. Not that no one cares. But you get you get surgery. You come back next year. But you know? look at it. The majority of injuries are lower extremity injuries. And I think it's an interesting point because we talked about this in the week yeah. four podcast about how there are so many lower extremity injuries and everyone's talking about the concussions. I'm not, I'm not saying that – I'm not talking the, the apples and oranges here, you know. So, like, they're right. completely different injuries. I get that. Um, especially in terms of, like, the long-term health and uh, what have you. But – it's still definitely worth talking about, you yeah. know, whether they're yeah. your sliding heels and your your cleats, like I had mentioned, yeah. <laughs> or uh, whatever. Or I've been saying for years that I think artificial turf has a. I, I said specifically to ACL injuries, but artificial turf probably does not help at all for lo, for leg injuries comparatively to grass. Yeah, I think we were talking about it, and uh, you know, there's there's give in grass and. Obviously, in in turf, you're getting it stuck into the turf. You um, can. It's yeah. not. It's not guaranteed, obviously. Yeah. But you just feel like you're. Sometimes you're just more likely for how you're being tackled or uh, or something for bad things to happen. Whereas grass, you can kind of get away with it sometimes. I think there were several studies about uh, cleats and soccer players and the type of turf that they were on, um, and that it did make a difference between the cleat style and and the actual. Um, turf that you were on whether it be grass or, or or turf so in the wall street journal article that josh got the that stat from um they talk about grass fields and um how grass fields don't present the same hazards as natural uh, or as turf um, because they can tear away before the injury occurs um, but artificial turf may grip a cleat without letting go causing limbs to twist unexpected and potentially in harmful ways and also in this article they had a chart of cleats or cleat bottoms and they ranked them from like most dangerous, like I guess with the highest 
fr- coefficient of friction, you might say, hmm. uh, to the lowest in terms of like its ability to give if your leg is being torqued in a you know a weird way. But I thought it was interesting because they do the same thing for helmets. They have like a ranking system and they have these charts available like in the equipment room so guys can make um, informed decisions on their equipment. Um, so I'll include that in the post. So you guys can see that uh, if you're a player out there and you could see if you're at risk because of the cleats you're wearing. Um, and just a little stat on how many teams in the NFL have uh, turf is only 13 teams play on artificial turf in the NFL. But I don't think turf's going away anytime soon, yeah. especially at the, the lower levels. And like it also said, the majority of teams' practice facilities are turf facilities also. All right. Yeah, I think right now, I think the operative word with with um, the cleats that be, that are being posted is that there's an association. I don't think that there's an actual right. causative effect with that. And and um, and I and I believe Kev, you had a, another podcast where where you had a guy who was explaining like how to look at the literature with it. Right. And there may be an association with it, and I think that's the differential that we have to look at. Yep. Any any last remarks before we uh, we, we we end the pod before week seven? Good for this week. I think that was a successful week off. And it was a great caller by uh, Johnny Bice. I want to thank him again for it. Hey, anybody else out there ever want to come in, just stop in, say hello, ask a question? Yeah, slip it to my DMs, bro. Yeah, absolutely. You can come on. Join the pod. Yeah. (laughs) You want to be a part of the pod? We're always always, uh, looking for for new questions and and new ways to take the, the cast. So, All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for all your hard work each and every week. Appreciate it. Likewise.